listening to our New Chapel podcast. We're for people to connect with God and be raised to new life in Christ. Be sure to connect with us at newchapel.com and on social media to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel. Uh, If you have your Bibles, open with me to the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 1. We are in a series all about the mission of God. Listen to me, God has a mission. God has a mission. He wants more people in his family. It's not just more other people. Those are his kids, his lost kids. He's desperately trying to find his kids. Uh, If you're a parent in here, you know what it's like if you've ever lost a child. It goes from like, hey, you know, where's Jack? Can't find Jack to freak out mode. Like, where's my kid? We need to call the cops now. You know what I'm talking about, anybody? And, and God has this heart, this urgency within him that, that he's trying to find his lost kids and expand and multiply his family all over the world. It is essential that we understand the mission of God and take this season at New Chapel and talk about it. Because peace and resolve and real fulfillment in your life, it isn't going to come because you finished the house or got your project done or, or pulled off a vacation, all of those things, listen to me, are great. I hope you build your dream house up on that hill with that picket fence. But listen to me, your life won't be fulfilled unless you have something greater and deeper at play within your relationship with God. Peace, resolve, and real fulfillment is going to be found when you are on mission. Uh, the big arc of the story today is this, write this down, God's mission is to you. And God's mission is, write it down, it is through you. God's mission is to you. He's he's trying to find you, his lost kids. He's trying to reach you and and all of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus, Christians. You have a story of God rescuing you from whatever it was before. Some of our stories are dramatic. Some of them uh, were near death. Others of us were raised in a pretty steady home but yet you know what your life was like without God. And so God's mission was to you, but God's mission is also through you. That is, when he reaches you, when your life is set ablaze by the king of kings, when you become fully alive and you're no longer like a living reenactment of the walking dead, when you become that person, it is that heart that is changed by God that is also put on mission. And if you want to live fully alive for him, it is found when that mission is flowing yet to you, but also through you. Amen, somebody. I had you turn to Genesis, the first book of the Bible. I'm going to read for you a passage we read last week. If you missed it, it says this in Genesis 1 in verse 28, that God blessed mankind and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth, and the Bible says subdue it, have dominion. Be fruitful, multiply. Uh, I want you to go into all this world and exercise godly dominion over this world. I want you to be fruitful and multiply and spread my goodness all over the world. That was the heart, the mission of God. And we said last week that it predates the fall of man. It predates sin. It's something that was at play before any of that. Now, people struggled to realize the mission of God until we see Jesus come. I want to read this out of Luke's Gospel, chapter 4. Jesus went into the temple and he read this, but he spoke this. These are his words. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. 
He has sent me. He has sent me. Say that with me. He has sent me, yeah, to heal, right? Heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind. Yeah, that's physical blindness, but that's also you were blind without him. You didn't know where you were going. Yeah, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. He's, he's talking about how God sent him. Very interesting. It's echoed in St. Matthew chapter 4. Let me read this for you. The Bible says this, Jesus went. Everybody say it. Jesus went. He went, right, about Galilee, teaching in the synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. What is Jesus doing? He's going. He went. He was sent to go do something. And then John's gospel, chapter 5, Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself. Like, I'm not making this up as I go along. He says the Son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do. For whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. Look at me, church. This is missional language. These are the words of somebody who knows I've got something to do. I've got a place to go. I've got some work I've got to get done. You know what I'm talking about? I've got to take some ground. And Jesus conveys this in the midst of all of it. I'm not here by my own authority. The things you're seeing me do, it's not because I'm even wanting to do them. I want to do them. But it's because I was sent to do something. I'm doing the things that I see my father do. Every action. Every action that Jesus took was on mission. He didn't waste anything. Every step, every miracle, every conversation, every act of healing, every talk that Jesus gave, it was an act, a talk, a miracle. All of it was on mission. It was purposeful. He wanted to be doing what God had showed him to do. Say amen, somebody. And why is that amazing? (laughs) Because we waste so much time in our life. I mean, we waste so much time. There's so many wasted words that we talk about. So, so many things that just are, are, are a big squeeze on, on, on what we should be doing, on the call that God has. But Jesus didn't waste one single moment, not one. And that's even more interesting because he says, I only see the things, I only do the things I see my Father doing. Jesus perfectly fulfilled the call of God. Here's the crux of the whole series. If you missed last week, this will fill in the gaps. The mission of God did not, write it down, end with Jesus. The mission of God continues with us. It didn't stop with Jesus. Well, Pastor, I thought he said it is finished. That is very, very true. Let let me talk about that. When Jesus went to the cross and he paid the price for our sin, praise God he did it. And he said the words, it is finished. That was a portion of God's great mission only Jesus could do. And thank God he did it. He descended to hell. He paid the price for the worst of us. And he ascended from the grave. He rose from the dead. And he ascended into heaven, ratifying salvation. Now those that believe in him, call on him, identify with Jesus, they can be saved forever. That's how you have a relationship with God. And praise God. When he said, it is finished, that step of the mission was finished. But that doesn't mean the great mission of God was finished. In fact, it actually just started. It was actually our commission. It was our moment. See, God has that mission, that purpose, and it is for you. So many preachers throughout the years, that I mean, the church I grew up in, really, 
they would talk about salvation every single week, and that's a good thing. But then really, it was about living good, doing good works, being a good doobie, get baptized no matter what. There's only one baptism, right? But like, get baptized and, and, and act right until you die. But the truth is, God does want you to live a moral life. God does want you to be good. But it's not about you being a good and moral citizen until you die. God has more. Have you ever wondered about that? I love the fact that this church, this past fall, we went on a journey called Made for More, and we stirred up purpose in your heart. And the next step in all of that is Missio Day, the mission of God, is for you to realize that it is finished. Yes, Jesus finished the, the, the work of redemption on the cross, but now it is on us to go and tell this world about that redemptive work. And I hear an amen, church. A theme verse for us, and I think it's for this series, but can I just throw it out there? I never do this. I think it's a theme verse for us for the year. It says it in John 20. Jesus said, peace to you. And that's where peace is found. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. In the same way, in the same way that God sent Jesus, Jesus is sending you. You are commissioned by him. Look at me, everybody. I want you to own that. That's who you are. What if we became a church in the next year that really began to embody this, epitomize a church that says, hey, God sent Jesus and Jesus sent me. Great to meet you. I'm here on his stead. I want to tell you what God has done in my life. You don't have to be somebody who you're not. I don't want that. I, I attended that church, right? I want you to be you. But I want you to be a person who knows, a Christian who knows you were sent of God. The fact that you were sent means something in this world. That you have something significant to do, to accomplish before you die. That you truly can make a difference. Can I hear an amen, church? Now, I want to take a little break and talk about our vision here at New Chapel and how this ties in to the mission of God. Throw up that slide there, guys. Uh, the mission here at New Chapel, the vision, is that we're for people to connect with God and to be raised to new life in Christ. I, I, I want you, I, we're for all people, by the way, want all people to connect with God. But I don't want to leave you there. I want you to get born again. I want you to be on your way to heaven. But I don't want to leave you there. I want you to be raised to new life in this world, in this life. What does that look like? Glad you asked. Four things. And the basis is that you would know God. That's that connect with God. But then the second, third, and fourth, find freedom. That you've got to get over your past. You've got to get over your issues, your hang-ups. Maybe it was awful things that were done to you or said about you that are just like baggage on your soul. We want you to find freedom from that. There's freedom from all that junk. There's freedom from who you used to be, the things you used to say, things that you used to embarrass yourself doing. We want you to be free from all that junk. And when a person becomes free in Jesus, purpose will begin to bubble up in your heart. We want you to discover purpose. Next door, they want you to invent purpose. They want you to make it up as you go along. Decide your dreams. Listen to me. Never do that. You're going to mess up your life. <laughs> I want you to find out what God has purposed you to do, discover what that is. And when a person has found out what that is, a piece of it, listen to me, will be to make a difference. Amen, somebody? And that is to make a difference in this world for Jesus, an eternal difference. Now, that has been clear at New Chapel from the beginning. And I'm not changing our verbiage on the wall or on the website. It's still going to be make a difference. But I want to 
add a layer to the onion. I want to add some clarification to all of this. When I say make a difference, I'm saying make disciples. Make disciples. What does that even mean? Disciples. Uh, root word of disciples is disciplines. It's, it's, uh, it's those that are, are followers of Jesus that, that hold to what he has called them to do, that are taking steps with him. We want to make disciples. So in other words, uh, let me put it this way. In a couple of weeks, I am going to Shiakapura, Lahore, in the Punjab of Pakistan. <laughs> My wife thinks that space aliens have come down and abducted me and put a different person as her husband because I'm going to the Middle East. This is great. And, and I'm so excited, honestly. I can't stop talking about it, ask my friends and family. I'm, just, I'm, I'm, I'm enamored with it. But let me tell you something. One of the reasons why they're so surprised is because I was hard on missions. Why would you be hard on missions? Because I watched a lot of people go to Haiti, go to Africa, go to India, and they would bring rice with them and they'd, they'd feed hungry people. You're like, what's wrong with that? Well, let me go further. Others of them would pop water wells and give people fresh water in areas where there was water diseases. What's wrong with that? You can go to hell with rice in your stomach. You can go to hell with water. You can go to eternity with Jesus and avoid a Christless hell only when someone has not just made a difference, but made a difference eternally and made a disciple. In other words, we're going to talk about Jesus. So we're going to pop a water well, but we're going to put a little, I don't know, a little hut over it. We're going to call it the Well Church South Africa. Here we go. We're, we're, we're going to give you rice in Jesus' name, but we're going to talk about how when you eat of him, he is your bread of life, and that's where you find your sustenance. I'm not doing humanitarian aid with my life. My life's bigger than humanitarian aid. I love humanitarian aid if it's to make disciples, because if you nourish somebody, what is it if you gain the whole world and lose your soul? And so, gang, here's the big idea. We need to make a difference. And again, just to clarify it, it is to make disciples. So what does that look like? It looks like us as disciples, as followers of Jesus, it looks like us in this room making other disciples. You're like, that. okay, that's you. That's what we hired you for. You, don't you get a paycheck to go make disciples? Listen to me. That's, you think that's what I do. That's not what I do. That's what you do. I get paid to come up here and tell you what to do <laughs> in Jesus' name. And, and so you, you Christian, are to make disciples. Well, don't you make disciples? I make disciples, but I make disciples as a Christian, not because I'm pastor. I want to lead the church to make disciples. What does it look like if this gets rearranged? Throw that slide up there, guys. This is what it ends up looking like. It looks like multiplication. So, so we turn the pyramid on its head. It's not just about you reaching the apex of what you can be and what you can do. We turn it all over and we say, hey, we're going to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. Disciples, write it down, make disciples. Write that down. Huge deal. That's who you are. That's not who I am. Listen to me. I love you. That's who you are. Well, I'm mild-mannered. I'm not very outgoing at all. Listen to me. For, that's who you are. I say too much sometimes. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a cartoon cat. I'm animaniacs, but like living, that's who you are. And everyone in between. Well, I'm a business owner. I got to make sure that I'm professional. Hey, we need to reach people in the marketplace. Well, listen, I'm in the school and it's, it's really tight in there. Oh, man, you're just like those missionaries in, in China who are in the underground. Guess you're going to have to be sneaky. 
I give you permission not to sin, but to be a little naughty. <laughs> Rate that down. <laughs> Somebody should tweet that. Don't be sinful. You can be naughty. Well, the school said we couldn't do it. Well, our laws supersede their laws. Be naughty, okay? Have a little bit of fun. Well, it's risky. They can't fire you. They can't fire anybody. They're afraid of everybody. Well, Pastor Joe, those, those people, they're afraid of them. They're afraid of you too. They're just afraid. And so what you need to do is be a person that says, I'm going to make disciples here. I'm going to do my part. Amen, somebody? And that's who you are. Well, Pastor Joe, how? What does it look like? So glad you asked. I want to spend some time telling you about that. Write this down. How do, we, how do we have this mission of God? What does it look like to us? How, Jesus sent me. What does it look like in my life? Number one, you need to identify where you are. Identify where you are. In Matthew's gospel, uh, in the 15th chapter, there's a Canaanite woman. And she's not, uh, she's not Jewish, so she's not part of the house of Israel. And this Canaanite woman is, is coming after Jesus, and she's like, Jesus, I need you to help my daughter. My, my, my daughter, is, is she's flipped her lid, and, and some of you parents, you're like, yeah, so's my kid. This, this parent is a parent of a kid, a teenager who's demon-possessed, and she's, she's tenacious, and Jesus is, is not really biting like he would when we read about him casting demons out of every, but she's pursuing him and pursuing him, and, and he's like, you got to go. I, and, and the disciples come to him like, hey, you got to talk to this lady. She's nuttier than a fruitcake. You got to get her out of here because she's pressing even us. And she's persistent. And, and as you might be, if your child was hurting, right? And, and so this is what happens. I'm going to read it for you in Matthew 15, 24. Jesus answered and he said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. I was sent only. Now, I'm not going to read the rest of that story. If you like extra homework, you should do that. But I, I'll, spoiler alert, Jesus heals the little girl, casts the devil out of her. She becomes well again. And uh, further, Jesus later releases all of his followers, his disciples, to reach the whole world. Eventually, Jesus came for all of us. When you read in the story that Jesus was sent to the lost house of Israel, it is not that he doesn't love you. He loves all of us equally. It's just at first, it was to the Jewish people in Israel. That was his right to do it. Those were the people of God to preserve a godly lineage, to have the Messiah, Jesus himself, be born. He so says, my first mission is to them. He expanded it later, but here's what I want you to see. This is massive. Jesus was sent for a specific group at a specific time. Can I put it this way? You are going to go through seasons in your life where the focus of your mission might change. It might be one thing in one season and another, but it's God's it's prevailing purpose of God. But the emphasis, he might lift one thing up. Uh, can I put it this way? It's like he shines a light on one area, and then he might lower it down a little bit. Not that it's gone, but he might shine it at another. Uh, out of curiosity, this is an all play. Uh, how many in the room, you, you're a parent? You're a parent. Lift your hand. Wow, a lot of parents. Wow. Put your hands down. If you're a parent, your first mission is to your kids. It's not to go to the far countries of the world first. I mean, you can do that. I'm doing that. I'm, I'm, I pastor a church. But my first mission is my family. If I don't reach my family first, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not reaching anybody. Uh, Kai and I, uh, we are in a season where uh, it's just, I don't know, it, it's a lot. Uh, we, when, when the last one came about, this is what I mean, we had four, four, and under. And right now I have a seven-year-old, a five-year-old, a three-year-old, and a two-year-old. 
And so when I get home, it's like everybody runs and gets dad. It's, it's like right out of the 50s. It's awesome. I love, I love that part of my day. And then they're asking me questions, and can we do this, and what's going on? And, it's just, it, and I'm focused so much on them. There was a day, everybody, where Kai and I, at 10 o'clock at night, I'd look at her and be like, you want to go see a movie? She's like, yeah, I'm down. And we'd leave. I can't even, like, wrap my mind around that lifestyle anymore. <laughs> 10 o'clock, Kai has been asleep for a while. I am like, I don't know where I'm at anymore, but I'm like holding on, remembering who I was in my 20s, and, 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 and it's a different season. Do you hear what I'm saying? And so in this season of our life, listen, I'm going to reach this church. I'm going to obey God when he sends me on mission, but my first mission is those kids. So I'm talking to them about God. I'm taking uh, little Aurelia with me on these uh, revivals. There are these Jesus opportunities in our life. And so I went uh, to preach a revival with Pastor Tommy in Ohio. How many of y'all know Ohio needs Jesus? Oh, my gosh. They're all going to hell. And, and so <clears throat> uh, we, we went down there for a revival, and, and in the altar space, my son, my seven-year-old boy, he was down in the altars, working the altars with me, laying hands on people. It was awesome, and, and I love that. So my first mission is to my kids. And it's important that we, as, in, as we engage in God's mission that we understand where we are. And so here's my question for you. Where are you? Where are you in life? Where are you on the mission? Are you in construction? Are you in sales? Are you in uh, law enforcement? Are, are you a person who is in the military? Are you a stay-at-home mom? Are you a single parent or a contractor? Like, where are you? Are you retired and you have a ton of time to burn? Are, are you like in the spot that I'm at where it's every moment counts and I don't have any time to burn? I mean, where are you in life? Maybe God wants to leverage exactly where you're at right now in this season, in this time for his purpose. Write this down. God wants to use where you're at for a reason. I'm not saying that everybody is where you're at for a reason because not everything happens for a reason. By the way, whoever keeps on sharing those memes like everything happens for a reason, I'm the pastor that comments on it. Yep, sometimes the reason's you're dumb and you made bad decisions. You might not be where you're supposed to be like, like in the grand. You can get back on track. But maybe even though you're not exactly where you felt that you're supposed to be or where you think God wants you to be, maybe he wants to use it even though. That's very profound. It's a small perspective change, but it makes all the difference. John 20 and verse 21, we read this before, but I want you to see this. Jesus says, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. It's you. You are sent. He's sending you. So what if you looked at wherever you're at as the assignment from God? Like this might not be where it all ends, but God, I'm going to take this seriously. Today seriously. This job, this class that I'm in, this moment, this situation. I'm going to see it all through the lens of mission. I'm not going to try to manufacture my own purpose. I'm, I'm waiting on you. God, you tell me the steps to take. And, and that small perspective change will make all the difference. I heard about a pastor, and he was preaching about mission along these lines. And uh, someone in his church came up to him and said, Pastor, I really want to serve. Now, let me just stop the story for a second. Everybody look at me. This is what pastors dream of, Okay. We're really just waiting for you to be like, hi, my name is, and I want to serve. It's like candy. It's like a great reward. It's the person that comes up to the evangelist and says, what must I do to be saved? You know, I mean, like, it is so great because we got no shortage of work. And so this guy comes up to the pastor and says, hey, I'd love to serve. And the pastor talked with him for a while, gauged where the guy was. 
found out that he worked at a pretty successful and big company in the city. And he said, uh, here's what I want you to do. I, I don't want you to sign up to serve on a team today. I want you to be a missionary to that place. Go get them. And, and the guy was kind of taken back. They spent a while talking about what that meant, what that could look like. And, and that guy brought friends and family from that great uh, marketplace situation into the church. Now later, and in short order, the guy ended up serving on their version of a go team. But hear what I'm saying. It's more important that you foster a mentality that wherever I go, I'm not waiting to get off work so I can serve God. I'm not waiting for the weekend so I can do something spiritual. It's all spiritual. Wherever you're at and whatever you're doing, it's spiritual in the here and now. Can I hear an amen, church? What if you started viewing your job like that? What if you started viewing your family like that? Like, not that we just have to survive. Like, we just got to get breakfast. We just got to get out the door. And I just got to get them to practice. I just got to pick them up from school. I'm raising these teenagers. Pastor, I want to kill all of them. But, but I just got to survive this season. When they turn 18, they're going to leave. They're going to leave. I'm going to send them. You talk about sent, I'm going to send. You know, I just got to survive. What if instead of looking at them like that, you said, I'm raising the next generation of Christian leaders. These are my disciples. Amen, somebody. Can we give God praise for that? What if you started looking at it that way? To which my wife would say, well, the next generation of Christian leaders just peed the bed again. I get it. I get it, mom. I get it, dad. But listen to me. It matters. It matters. And I know many of us in a room this size, you have dreams to work at a at a, at a better place, or you want a promotion in your job, or you'd like to own your own company, or you have dreams of, of moving onward. But are you looking at where you are at as an obstacle to, to getting where you want to go? And what if, what if, if you stopped looking at it as an obstacle and began to look at it as God's opportunity? What if that would be the very thing that would release you to greater things in this world? When we say, hey, we need people on the usher team, he's, oh, Pastor, I don't have time for that. You don't get it. You can't outgive God. You begin to sow your time that you're very short on, very serious person. I get it. When you begin to sow your time, God pays you back. See, but we have to trust the process and not resist where we're at. Well, I'm too busy right now. Even where you're at, God is calling you. Can I hear an amen, church? Second thing, how do, what does this look like? How do we do it? Number two, invest where you are. Invest where you are. I think this seems pretty obvious, but it's not. This is something that is so obvious that I think we miss it. It's right in front of us, so we can't see it. One of my favorite passages in the Bible is in Acts. It's uh, right after the Gospels. Acts, I love how it is. It says this in Acts 10.38. How God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And, and the thing I want you to see, he did all of that, but I'm trying to bring out one thing here. Jesus went about doing good. Uh, in the Bible's original languages here in Greek, it would be the words that we would use for like a philanthropist or a, or a benefactor. And Jesus exceeded, he did way more than just provision for people he began to speak in and, and become a person that invested in people in, in, the, in the truest way, relationally, spiritually, into their intrinsic value. Jesus would stop and speak to people that nobody else would talk with. 
He talked with people that were looked over in society. He, he, he had this settled urgency. I love the way that Jesus was. He had nothing to prove to anybody. You know who the real big dog is? It's the person that doesn't have to showboat to anybody. I see young people every once in a while, teenagers, and they try to buy the coolest new Jordans, the coolest new kicks, and they've got pants on that got all kinds of embroidery and rips go in vogue and out of vogue, and they become tight, and now they're loose again, and now y'all look like the movie Clueless. These girls are wearing pants up to their, like, rib cage, you know, and they've got little knit lace around their neck. I'm like, hello, Alicia Silverstone, you know, and it's just... And, and, and here's what they're trying to do. They're trying to show everybody I am somebody, right? Because it's status. And people don't just do that as teenagers. They do that their entire life. But the real big dog, you know what I've seen actually about a few rich people? You look down and they're wearing like Keds from Walmart, white slip-ons. And they've got Wranglers in Levi's because they're quality. And they're wearing a shirt that says Goodfellow and they really splurged at Target on sale, right? Like they have nothing to prove. Jesus was the same way. He had nothing to prove to anybody. They could say things. It was no indictment on what he thought about himself because he knew he was. And so he had a settled urgency. What does that look like? It's not desperation. We got to go. Come on, disciples. We got to go. Everybody's going to hell. It wasn't like that. But there was an urgency. No desperation. But he had an urgency. We got to go over here. Turn the boat. We're going to set up the traveling salvation show. You're welcome, Neil Diamond. We're going to set it up over here in Galilee. Why were they always going across Galilee? I mean, just all the time. It's because he knew, on mission from God, I've got to go talk to these people. I've got to hear from God for these people. And he has this definite purpose in everything that he did. He had time for people when the moment called for it. That's who Jesus was. And listen to me, look at me. That's what I'm asking, that you open up your eyes and see. That's who Jesus has called you to be. No desperation, full of urgency. Not aimless, you have definite purpose. Uh, what does this look like? If you're a farmer or a contractor and you employ migrants uh, or, or immigrants and uh, you're working with these people, here's what it looks like. Don't just learn their names. Learn their kids' names. Ask them how people are doing. Talk to them about their life. I mean, that, that almost seems extreme to us, to be nice to people from other countries, but uh, to us, maybe make it a little bit more practical. Anybody with a coworker, learn their name, talk to them. How's everything going? Well, tell me about that. Did they get the job? Uh, I'm glad we prayed and it happened. And, and, and you can see how we miss opportunities, gang, because we become so task oriented. We got to get stuff done at work. We got to get stuff done. I got to go pick up the thing. We got to go stop by Myers. I got to get home. We got to get dinner stuff. And you're so task oriented that you don't look up and realize you're surrounded with people. The mission is not for faraway lands alone. The mission is for wherever the soles of your feet touch. That's exactly where the mission of God is. And investing in people means slowing down and digging in a little bit. Building some roots into their life. Offering to pray for people. Do you know, even if someone is an atheist, if somebody is a little bit fuzzy or, or a, little bit, uh, uh, a little bit skittish about even the topic of, of religion, if you offer prayer, I don't know anybody that's ever turned down prayer. Even if they're just humoring you, they don't know, and they are interested to see what you're going to do with it. Nobody turns down prayer. Pray with them. I mean, they're talking, and they, here's what people, most people do. If you just listen, most people are complaining. If you just listen to that, be like, well, man, let's pray about that. Can I pray over your body? 
Can I pray over your family? Can I pray over what's going on in your life right now? Is that all right? Yeah, sure. Yeah, just bow, bow your head, close your eyes, just pray. And you just pray, God, I pray for their family. God, I pray, pray for their body and what's going on. I pray that report comes back negative. God, I pray, pray that you'd heal them. God, I pray that you'd show them great things. God, I pray that you'd be the lifter of their head. I know they're going, they feel down. They feel depressed. God, I know that you're the lifter of, of those that have a downtrodden heart. God, I pray for them in Jesus. Nobody's going to turn that down. That's out of my circle. It is within your reach. You'd be better at it than you realize. And people can hear it from you, look at me, like they can't hear it from me. Like they couldn't hear it from the person down the row from you. Because you're going to reach people nobody else on earth can. Can I hear an amen, somebody? Write it down. Next is often the enemy of now. We're always worried about the next thing we got to do, the thing we got to get. Next is often the enemy of now. And you actually, this isn't in my notes, but you should write this down. It doesn't have to be. You can still get the thing done. I'm a task-oriented dude. I got stuff to do. I don't have time to sit around, like, curling each other's hair. I got to do work, okay? I'm that type of guy. I get you. We understand each other. But listen to me. Next can be the enemy of now. Be in the now. See them in front of you. You can talk to people. This is your life. On your deathbed, you're not going to be talking about, man, well, I wish I would have gotten more tasks done. You're going to be saying, I, I thank God. That we did what we did. We brought those people into the fold. I thank God for what God did in our neighbor's life. I thank God for how he touched our kids and our kids' kids. Now we've got a whole dynasty here that love Jesus. You're going to be talking about people. Amen, somebody? The American way of being fixated on what's next, it robs you of your, of your wedding because you're so focused on being married. It robs you of the house that you're in because you can't appreciate the little bungalow that you live in now. It robs you of, of having some money in your pocket and be able to have some fun because you're broke as a joke now, and so you just glaze over your life like it's completely dismissed. Listen to me, Christian. Next is the enemy of now. Be in the here and now. Amen, somebody? Now, in the here and now, there are people, and I want to give one big praise report. A couple of weeks ago, when Pastor Tommy was here, he talked about a need that we had back in the sound booth, that Pastor Brian was running sound. And I am happy to say, and I want you to celebrate with us, we had four people just this week get trained and more on the way. Can we celebrate what God is doing? Amen, somebody? And see, you can see a church that, like, they're investing where they are. I have something that is an opportunity for maybe some of the people even in this room. Our worship team is kicking butt and taking names. I love it. It is powerful. I can't think of more anointed services that we've ever had. But we have an opportunity, and that is we have openings in instrumentation. That is keyboard, the piano. If you can play the piano, not you like the piano, you can play it, okay? Number two, guitar, electric or acoustic. Uh, bass, if you can uh, play the drums. If you are a person that can do any of those things, maybe with a little bit of practice, you get the dust or the rust off and you could jump back in. I can't teach you how to play drums at this point. We'll have a program for that later. But if you'd say, Pastor Joe, God has moved on me in the past, and I feel like I could maybe serve once a month here at New Chapel. Here's what I need you to do. I need you to come next week after the 11 o'clock service. After that 11 o'clock service, we are having an interest meeting and a tryout, okay? If you can do that, I want you to let me know right now. So with every head raised, every eye open, here we go. Here's my big preacher pitch. If you can do any of those instruments I just mentioned and you'd like to join the team, you're not currently on the stage, would you just stand up right now? Do it right now. Ready, go. Thank you. Great. Great job. Broke the ice. 
Somebody else. Great job. Somebody else. You know I'm a preacher, right? Like I'm not going to lift off. Great. Got you. Base, right? You're on the schedule. <laughs> Maybe one other person. One other person. You say, I can join. The, I can play an instrument once a month. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling. You're laughing. I'm not going to lift off. One more person. Instrumentation. I feel like it's in the room right now. You, you feel like you're supposed to do it. You're like, oh, I don't know about me. Listen, you, you want to join the worship team? Stand up. Let's go. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross. Anybody? Listen, I'm not going to shut the door on you, but I do feel like someone in the room is being called to do it. Don't be embarrassed. After service, grab one of those team-up cards. Everybody look at John right there with his nice new glasses. He can see the card well, now so can you. See that little red card? Our ushers will have those at the door. Grab one of those cards. Can we celebrate the people that did stand up? Great job. Getting real around New Chapel. Third thing, write it down. Number three, Jesus sent me. What does that look like? Number three, you need to trust who you are with. Trust who you are with. I read it before, but Acts 10.38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed by the devil. And here's what I want you to see this time. Because God was with him. Now think about that. This is very interesting. Jesus is God. There's a trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One God, three different sides to the prism. It's like water. There's ice cubes, there's water, there's steam. God, three different expressions, one God. Jesus is God, but yet Acts 10 says that all the things that Jesus did weren't because he was God. He is God, but it says that they happened because God was with him. Now, I could preach a whole sermon off from this, but the Bible conveys in 1 Peter that the word kenosis, it's another word, when Jesus came, he stripped himself of his godlike powers. Not his position, he was always God, but all of his deity powers he stripped and he was born as a normal baby. Sinless, yes, but not with all the cosmic powers. That's why Maccabees is wrong. He didn't put clay pigeons together and make them fly when he was a kid. The first miracle was at Cana of Galilee. Here's where I'm going. The idea is everything that you read Jesus doing and accomplishing, he didn't do it because he was Jesus. He did it because God was with him. God was with him in his life. He did them as a man, not as God. Huge deal. Now, if you want to see this, passage in the context we're talking about really come to life Matthew 28 Jesus came and spoke to them saying all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth go therefore make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father Son and the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all things I've commanded you there's those disciplines and surely I am here it is I'm with you to the end I'm not abandoning you. I'm not taking off. I'm not your deadbeat dad. I'm not taking off on you. I'm there. I'm present. I'm with you in this life always. And so the things that God has called us to do 
as his followers, listen to me, Christian, come on, New Chapel, we do not have to do them alone. We are not alone in this world. You're not doing it in and of your own strength. And when I talk about doing this stuff and talking to people about your faith, I know how you feel. You know why? I feel the same way. There was a time where I would have said, I don't know what to say. I don't know the Bible. You want me to talk to these people about Jesus? I just met him. Like, I have nothing to contribute. Oh, yes, you do. On contraire, you know God. They don't know God. You don't have to share something you don't have. Share the freedom you have. And, 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 and so that, that thing, in fact, this helped. I really think this helped my wife. My wife is such a wonderful person, and she really did look up to me, thought that I was, I don't know, without sin or something, and very accommodating wife, I will tell you. But she said, you're not afraid of anything. And I'd be like, I feel afraid. Let me tell you something in a moment of vulnerability. When the whole world was shutting down, and there wasn't one church in Michigan that was opening, I felt the, the knock at the door of fear when I went up one-legged on this roof to go preach Easter Sunday of 2020, there were churches all over the country that were getting shot down and, 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 and getting tickets given out to their people, uh, breaking uh, different local ordinances and decrees from Nebuchadnezzar. I, th- yeah, fear knocked at my heart. But I did it afraid. And on the other end of that, indeed, I was not afraid. Because fear is when you let it shut you down. You don't take another step in your life. Friend, those feelings knock at everyone's door. What do you do? You go through the feeling of it. You realize that they are par for the course. The feelings of fear are going to come. That's what's going to happen. You accept that as truth. You do the thing, and the more that you do it, the more the fear subsides. Because you do, through negative reinforcement on the devil, this realization happens to him, I can't get him with fear anymore. I can't get her with fear anymore. She won't wilt even when she feels it. That's what God wants to do in you. He wants you to do this not in your own strength, but in his strength. Trust who you're with. Don't trust who you are. don't, Don't do that. Trust who you're with. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And as you take those steps of faith. You're like, oh God, I, I don't know what I'm, I'm doing. I don't know where I'm going next. I don't know how this is all going to come. As you take those steps, he'll be with you. Acts 1, I want to read us one last passage. Give us one last point, And then I want to pray for everybody. Acts 1. Jesus is getting ready to ascend into heaven. He says, do not depart. Wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water. But there's another one. You should be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Verse 6. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, and I'm imagining Jesus lifting off maybe like six feet off the ground. They're like, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And I want you to see with your eyes, Christian, the focus of their question. Are you going to do something about this? Are you? You rose from the dead. Aren't you? And they thought that Jesus was going to bring this national resolution in the here and now. And listen, I pray for peace in Israel and I pray for peace in the United States of America. But what Jesus wants to do is far greater than just that. It's the thing that will create the peace nationally. It has to happen spiritually first. Uh, Verse 7, he says to them, you don't even know what you're asking. Children, please. It's not for you to know the times, the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but... Everybody say but. 
but you, you see it? Will you restore the kingdom of Israel? He says, but you, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. What is he saying? You don't have to do this in your own authority. You don't have to do this in your own strength. You're not alone, but it will be you that does this. My son, Jack, I have three sons and a daughter. My son, Jack, is my second born. And he is fun-loving. He always has been. He has the best sense of humor. Um, He is a people person to the max. He loves to live vibrantly. My son, Jack, is fully alive. My son, Aurelio, is my firstborn. And he's dynamic, and he's very vibrant, but he's very precise. You say, well, we'll leave in about 15 minutes. He says, 10 or 15, Dad. (laughs) Back off, Aurelio. That's a lot, you know? And so he's got precision. Well, there comes that time every night where it's time to go to bed, and Jack's waiting for it. And he'll say this. He'll say, hey, guys, do you know what time it is? It's time to go to bed. And we have this, like, goofy dad joke thing that we do where we say, on the count of three, but we go, one, 47, 91, 27 and a half, and then someone's going to say three, and we all get up, and we go to bed. It's the best thing ever. We're the corniest parents on earth. My son Aurelio hates when Jack says, hey, guys. And that is the reason why Jack does that is because he knows Aurelio hates that. And so he says it every night, every opportunity again. And, and, and they listen. They all do the countdown and they all get up and they all go to their bed. Not because Jack is so strong. Jack is not operating in the authority of Jack's name. Jack is operating under the authority of the high name in that house. See, dad's boss, Jesus is king. And he knows that if dad says bedtime is 8 o'clock, He comes in dad's name, and he says, hey, guys, and they obey. Listen to me. When you go, you go in dad's name. You don't go in your own strength. Well, I'm afraid. Perfect. Listen to me. If your Christianity doesn't take you outside of your box, that is a religion. It's man-made. It's what they're talking about next door. I'm telling you, I can't tell you what's going to come. I can tell you that God will be with you through it all. And his presence and his spirit will lead you and guide you. And in that power, that friend is where you can make a difference. You're not going it alone. Write it down. We cannot fulfill the mission of God without, write it down, the spirit of God. You need his spirit. The Holy Spirit is the power of God for the mission of God. He journeys with you, and he emboldens you, and he speaks to you, and he gives you the words to speak when you don't know what to say. Wow. Friends, look at me. I want to wrap this up for all of us. The world is in decay. It is falling apart. They're eating themselves, and it grieves my heart. It grieves the heart of God when he sees people live this life out and they live it in such a way that is self-defeating. It's hard, isn't it, to watch somebody shoot themselves in the foot. And while you're watching all of that happen, a question has bubbled up in my heart. What's important? The older that I get and the longer I spend with God, you know what my answer is? Less and less. The essentials, really. It's the fact that I want to spend the remainder of my time on earth, giving it over so other people who are far from God, who don't deserve it like I didn't deserve it, 
who are mocking us now so that those guys can find the freedom that we have in Jesus. That this would not be the moment where we circle the wagons and we just, okay, come in here where it's safe. That no, we circle the wagons and then we turn them outward and we go and divide and conquer the kingdom of darkness. We do it in the power of God. Where is that found? Mission and freedom and resolve and peace that you want so badly? It all begins in a relationship with God through Jesus. Heads bowed, eyes closed in the presence of God. If you're in here and your life's not right with God and you need to make peace with your God, the only way to have peace with God is with Jesus. It's the only way. It doesn't happen another way. It's with Jesus. When you make Jesus Christ the Lord over your life, friend, that's when you become saved, born again. You're changed from the inside out. It means you'll have eternity in heaven, yes. And it also means that freedom and joy and direction and mission, the purpose of God, can come into your heart today. That you can experience his goodness in your life and in the life of your family. If that's you in this place, you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Lord means boss. You're done being the God over your own life. If you want to make Jesus Lord, I want you to pray with us. Church, pray this out loud with me. Pray, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross in my place for my sin so I can be forgiven. You raised him from the dead. This I believe. So with my heart and with these words, I confess Jesus Christ is my Lord. I surrender now. Jesus, I call on you. Come into my life. Forgive my sin. Put your spirit within me. I receive all that you have for me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for making all things new. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Give it up for those people that accepted Christ. Hallelujah. Hey, can I pray for you before we leave today? The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine on you. Be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And as you go, I love you guys. We hope that you were encouraged and brought closer to God during this message. You can listen to any of our past messages and series either on this podcast or on newchapel.com slash watch. And be sure to connect with us on Facebook or Instagram to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel.